Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of 4Js in a Comics podcast. I actually said that right this week. Yay! On our podcast, we have kind of shied away from one of the major publishers. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. That rebooted their comics about two years ago. Two years already. It has been two years already. That's right. 24 has just started coming out this month. We had just got done with a big... 3D cover event that was kind of a cluster for us comic book owners. Why? Why was that? What was such a well? So no bueno about it. Let me. Let me. We got a couple of minutes. Let me. <laughs> I'm Justin, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let, let's introduce ourselves first. To my right, as always, is JP. Hey, hey, hey. literally. Just let me just step in and say, literally, he is like, always on your right. right. If I yeah. stretch, it'd be like he's oh, always on your right. <laughs> We record in the same room, and we are always sitting in our exact chairs. We have a routine. I know. It's like kids in the classroom. (laughs) That's right. I have my little name tag. And and it says Joe Visha on it. Mm -hmm. I've got my... Shaped like a battle axe. That's right. (laughs) And then then we have... I've got my paste. The metal hands up for for Justin. That's me! (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So getting back to that, we're (laughs) talking... Shit. <laughs> What's the matter? Have you seen that metal rooster on YouTube yet? Like a heavy metal rooster? Yeah, I'm sure I death have. metal rooster. What you does know, it do? Like headbang? No, just uh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yes, it awesome. just holds it for like two minutes. There's all kinds of funny heavy metal stuff on YouTube. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> okay, getting back to the topic, Justin just asked about the DC comic covers. Comic cover event that just happened which was a nightmare for which, you right yeah so what happened was dc came out about three months ago let retailers know we're going to do this cool you know 3d covers month where we're going to stop all of our comics for the month and you're going to get 52 basic one one shots dealing with different villains but all the covers will be 3d and everybody's going to like these covers so order order as many you know order order them order them mm-hmm. and they're a dollar more than the normal price, but they got these cool 3D covers on it. So how much did they cost? What were they? Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Yeah. So I put in a, an increased order. You know, probably about one and a half times what I normally order mm-hmm. for them. Except it ended up not mattering at all because they had to print these so far in advance. They printed them before the orders came in, and then they said we're not going to have enough to print to fulfill what everyone's printed. So we're going to allocate you based on what you've <laughs> ordered before. So say I ordered double mm-hmm. thinking, you know, a cool Joker 3d cover will sell X right. number of copies. Right. I actually got less of that than the normal issue of Batman. I would have ordered. Wow. <laughs> Which then led into, and this was a problem with comic stores everyone. everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a universal thing. So you get like the rabid collectors yeah. trying to take advantage of eBay. It, I mean, and- it was, yeah, it was, as the weeks went by, they got more and more rabid about it, leading to last week I had 10 people outside my door at 1030 for the comics. And I limited everyone to one each. So the first guy ran in there and grabbed everything off the wall. I'd never seen this guy before. And I'm like, you know I'm not going to sell those to you, right? So there was that. And then there oh, was... jeez. <laughs> I didn't know you had to have a bouncer with a gap I mean, at the comic book like, store. <laughs> my dad was here talking to me when all this was happening. It's like his eyes were like saucer big when all this shit was going down, you know. And... Uh, it's crazy. So, I mean, it was uh, interesting to say the least. And, and I got a couple Yelp threats from people who never... And had never heard from them before. Said, oh, do you have this comic? I'm like, no, we're long sold out. It went to my regular customers. Well, I'm never going to shop there again. I'm like, well, I never, <laughs> never, you've never been here before, so that doesn't really affect me. And well, I'm going to go on Yelp and put a bad review. Go like, ahead, okay. go right ahead. Internet bully, have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know by now, whether you have a business or not, Yelp is complete rubbish. They pay you can if you're a if you have if you're a retailer if you have a business and you have. You know, somebody puts bad reviews on your business, you can go to Yelp and pay them and they'll remove your yeah. bad reviews. Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's total bullshit. Yeah. Shit, yeah. that's oh, yeah, terrible. Absolutely. And then if that you, kind of ruins the whole thing. It's complete if, bullshit. And it's then complete if you don't, crap. Like I've told them I'm not gonna pay for that service. I have probably twenty times, you know, five star reviews versus, you know, like a one star review where someone gets pissed off at a thing like that. Sure. And guess which ones come up 
Oh, right. So they, mm-hmm. they feature yeah. the ones that are bad because yeah. you're not willing to pay yeah, them to then, take it off. All, yeah, and then all the... All it's the, like a protection racket. These it, guys it really are like is. the Yelp mafia. It's, yeah, it's it terrible. Really is. Of course, you can go on there and write your own reviews, too, because a lot of them, you can do it anonymously. Oh, it, it's all oh, anonymously. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And that's... When it got to be the ridiculous point was... And I have a, I have a friend who's doing another podcast, and they somehow got onto the subject of how ridiculous it is that people do Yelp reviews of fast food restaurants. <laughs> it's pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, this Taco Bell isn't as good as this other Taco Bell. And I saw one bullshit, today. And it's like, it's all the same food. It's the same. Yeah, I saw one today. It was something to do with, I like concise. It was like, the heading was on Reddit. It was, the heading was like, I like when my Yelp reviews are concise. And it was like, it showed a picture of like three reviews. And the last one was, it's an effing truck stop. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, they reviewed a truck stop? And these people That's went amazing. into all this detail, and this guy's like, it's a fucking truck stop. Like, what do you expect, right? Oh, man. There, there's one for my store. It's got to be like six paragraphs long, and it's this dude just ranting about the awful customers that we get. And not, not, not the customer service. Not the customer service, but the customers. Because you can control is. that. Yeah. You know. How bad the parking is, and then... How bad the people who wow. come to our store are. I would take it a lot more seriously if it wasn't anonymous. If it was literally John Harder. At you, this email address. Yeah, right. Or the people that review that do the reviews put on where they work so I can go into their place and review them. Yes. There you go. I mean, shit would change, you know. Huh. What Yelp should do, if Yelp wanted to be taken seriously, what they should do is they should compartmentalize every business to say, we are creating a page for you. That people can come to your page and they can rate it and review it. However, you have the opportunity, if you get a bad review, on the page, in plain view of everybody, to, like rebuttal. to, remi- to like try to remediate the I issue. Think, I think it's you a can li- do that on Yelp. Yeah, but... but I mean, it's, it's all... Anonymity? Anonymity of what I'm it, What know. I'm getting at is, imagine, not every business has a website, but for those of you that do have websites, imagine if Yelp didn't have it all centralized, if when you went to Yelp's page, you actually went to a subpage at your own site that was fed by Yelp, right? And people could put in their review. So right on your webpage is your basic Yelp review. And then people could go through and say, oh, well, he actually really communicates with his customers a lot. Like, this guy complained about something and he replied to say, mm-hmm. you know, I apologize. I had a doctor's appointment that day. And that's why I was late or whatever. You know, come in. I'll give you 10% off on your next one or whatever it is. Then you have sites like Angie's Review, right? Like, if you're going to go get a contractor or something like that where people pay to put reviews on that site. And it's yeah. like, why would I do mm-hmm. that? Anyway, I, we're getting off topic. So the 52, <laughs> there was 52 covers, some of which I saw just sitting around the store. And I was like, wow, these are really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I would. You know, I don't think that I would pay an extra dollar for. If a all cover the 3D only. covers that Marvel did in the 90s are any telltale, these things are going to be worth approximately 4.99. Well, they're they're worth 20. Years. They were worth more the day last were, Wednesday uh-huh. than they will probably ever be. You know, this is the crest. You know, uh-huh. which is so weird for a collector's item because normally it goes the other way. And then, so the reason that DC came back to say one of the reasons we couldn't produce enough was they ran out of plastic in like wherever they got produced in China. They ran out of plastic because so many of these were made. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know how that can be possible. I I, I mean, that That's just sounds crazy. like poor planning. That's yeah. all. I mean. yeah. So I'm like looking at my like red solo cup going, I wonder if they ever have like, sorry, we can't make any more solo cups. We're out of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have some plastic bottles in the trunk of my car. I'm going to ship them to China, and maybe they'll print me a comic. <laughs> there are Chinese children without plastic. It's a horrible thing. <laughs> We're getting back on topic now. Back on DC. Meanwhile, back at the yeah. topic. DC Comics relaunched their whole comic line two years ago. Much to the chagrin of everybody. It was a good idea in theory. It's targeted to get new readers in. And it did for the first couple months. I, I was doing astronomical DC sales. It was... Like more than normal, way more than normal. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like, I would sell out by Wednesday at noon because people would come in to buy all the... You know, and I was going off what the prior months were, so, you know, I adjusted up a little bit, but it was nuts. Now, two years later, the sales numbers have actually fallen to kind of below what it was <laughs> before they relaunched it because... Well, and a lot of that's managerial stuff, right? Like they were mistreating some of their talent and it, it's then bringing been, in a bunch of unknowns. It's, and, it's been a kerfuffle. Yeah. It's yeah. been... Um, what did you call it? The um, it, Being dandidoed? Something yeah. about a 
fire sale? Yeah, shit fire. It was on fire. Garbage garbage fire. Garbage fire. (laughs) What has kind of happened is a lot of creators have left because editorial is okay at storylines. They get it to the process where it's all written. And even most of it is, you know, drawn, laid out and saying, oh, we changed our minds. You have to scrap all this. And we're not paying you any extra, but you have to redo the story. Shit. You know. And then so many people have gotten fed up and left. Um, Reasonably. I mean, that's... Jed Winnick, who's Pedro and me that we reviewed last week, was one of them. And I know that it is going wrong when the internet sided with Rob Liefeld over DC. That is a sign of the end times. (laughs) (laughs) Cats and dogs living together. (laughs) The internet agreeing with Liefeld. Some comic... Thing that I don't understand yet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? So let me ask real quick. You mentioned Judd. You went to SACCon. Was he there? Did you? No, no. He he, he does a lot of the San Francisco cons. Uh, yeah. How was the con? It was fun. It was it was small. You know, one of my nerdy geek out things was uh, when I was a kid, Bill Sienkiewicz was a big guy for Marvel. He did Moon Knight and New Mutants and then moved on to do uh, Electra Assassin. From, that's probably the one of the most famous and he was there, so I picked up a Moon Knight essential. And what are you laughing at? <laughs> because, dude, when you said Moon Knight, I was like, Moon Knight, you'll never see him coming because you only see his ass. <laughs> That's what I was thinking in my head. Oh, that needs to happen. <laughs> so I got a little little five-minute little Moon Knight sketch in, in a Moon Knight comic. That's awesome. Chat with him. Oh, that's cool. Right. Moon Knight is like a crazy Batman. Nice. So rather than wearing like black at night to blend in, his costume's all white because he wants people to see him to see him coming. Sounds like he's fabulous. <laughs> he's supposed to be a badass, right? Yeah. Like, and he's so totally like the killing, right? dissociative yeah. disorder. Yeah. Like crazy and sh- crazy as shit. And then uh Jamie found the most ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That we bought for her mom. It was a troll giraffe. <laughs> oh, shit. What? Like the trolls wow. with like the crazy yeah, pink hair. Yeah, the crazy hair. And I guess Jamie's mom collects this stuff. And Jamie felt bad because when she was a, her and her brother were a kid, they'd like destroyed the shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> so 50 bucks for a troll giraffe. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because it's the, the comics, games, and toy. Yeah. Fair. I actually really wanted to go with you guys. Yeah. But I, I ended up having to go to a baby shower. And it would be my first con, so I don't want to just go by myself. Like I want, I want some vets to go. That with really me. should not be your first con. Well, it's a fun con, but the whole point is, I know that if I walked in there, it would be like, "Here's my credit card. <laughs> Here's, my credit card. Here's my credit card." So I mean, we we went through a lot of money, but Mary bought Taylor this Pokemon stuffed animal, like from the '90s, that was like still, like never been played with, and Taylor hasn't let it out of her sight the whole time. So. Nice, that's oh. good. Yeah. You should put it in the dryer and just don't, <laughs> don't actually dry it. Just put it in and be like, oh, I haven't seen it. What are you talking about? Well, like, go oh, ch- here I it is. Go check the dryer. Maybe Must they, have gone through the wash. Tell her that the cat's pissed on it. <laughs> oh. oh, oh. Early, I can early. tell you the story. Oh, my God. The cats are cats assholes. Are cats are dicks. <laughs> when I was a kid, I lived, okay, so I lived with my mom. My, my parents were divorced. And we went to Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And there was this little airbrush shop on the very corner I think my mom parked down the street and there's a little, this little corner airbrush shop and it's literally the bu- the building is like a triangle, right? It's like on the corner of like one of the little areas down by the, the boardwalk. You can see the boardwalk from there and we would park in somebody's, you know, in somebody's neighborhood and walk there. The dude was outside airbrushing um, the, like a Metallica logo from super like, I'm awesome. talking like dude, awesome. like 88, 89. There was a particular artist that did like all the skulls and stuff. And I can't think of what the guy's name is, but he was duplicating one of those and it was a gray tank top but sleeveless, right? I remember begging my mom, can I please have this? Can I please have this? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it for you, right? You know? And I was like, I don't know. I was like 10, 12, 13, something like that. That was Zachary's age. So I went over to my dad's house, right? I go about my business. And pretty soon I'm like, where the hell is my shirt? Like, where's my Metallica shirt? I can't find my Metallica shirt. Turns out that I was a kid. So at my dad's house, my laundry was in the, like I threw my laundry in the closet. And then my stepmom every week or whatever, because I was only over there like every other weekend, she would wash the stuff. Well, apparently the cats pissed all over my clothes. No. And then my shirt ended up behind the washing machine somehow. And if you, you know that behind the washing machine is, Mm. that's the abyss. Nothing comes out from behind the washing machine. I know this because 
just recently I had to clean out from behind our washing machine and I was like, oh my God, there's like 85 pairs of socks back here. <laughs> Giving the wife a dirty look. I'm like, what the hell have you been doing? You know, where's all the laundry? Just kind anyway, of throw them in the air and hope they land in. My stepmom, very nonchalantly, like it didn't even, like it wasn't even a thing. She's like, oh, you mean that like painted shirt? Oh, I threw that away. It was so horribly ruined. I couldn't even wash it. Like I just threw it away. You're like, ah! I was like, ah! No! <laughs> Because you know why? Because your cat's a dick. That's asshole. why. Your cat's an asshole. Your cat's an asshole. Your cat's a... Yeah. So that's my story. There's I a can't. lot in there, washing machines. And, yeah. Oh, your cats are awful. Great we need to do that. Show. We're talking about that comic. It'd be fun for us to... Yeah, your cat's up. a dick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We have like 18 of them. I think people would like that. Yeah. 18 cats? No, we have 18, 18, strips. 18 strips already. Yeah, we were Every single one, the punchline is, your cat's, cat's a, a dick. dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... So Shazam. DC. <laughs> DC. So one of the things that DC has done is with the relaunch is for a lot of characters, they've completely changed them up to bring them into modern times. And we're going to be reviewing Shazam tonight. Shazam, when it was started, was actually a character named Captain Marvel. Hmm. And he was actually bigger than Superman when they first debuted because... As you could guess, a kid that can say a word and turn into, you know, kind of a god. So he's always been a kid. Yeah. Yep. Always been. Always been a okay. kid. Always been Billy Baston. Right? Yeah. I didn't know that. So that probably is... went over well when comics were a little bit more aimed at juveniles, mm -hmm. you know, versus Superman. DC sued Fawcett Comics, who published Shazam, saying that it was too close to Superman, even though Shazam debuted first. And really? Won, yeah. <laughs> huh. And won the rights, so then Shazam can no longer be published. So How the hell did they win the rights when it came out first? <laughs> they had more money? Better yeah. lawyers. Yes. Dude, somebody better, got, better lawyers. Yeah. Somebody got lawyered. Yep. Better lawyers. So Shazam went, you know, basically dormant from about 1950 to about 1975 when DC bought the rights for Captain Marvel and since they own Captain Marvel now and Superman, they could publish both. <laughs> it's kind of messed up, actually. <laughs> hmm. I, I don't like it when companies do business like that. I have a, I have a hard time with 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 that kind of thing. For example, when you know recently Apple sued Samsung for some stupid thing, and Samsung won obviously, but it was so trivial, and it was something that's like on every single cell phone. And you're like, really, Apple? Really? Like you have to sue for that? Come on. Make the iPod or make iPhones a hundred dollars less and quit suing people. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate when companies get petty like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. As it is, it's what it's business. Anyway, what were you going to say, Joe? Addicted to their money, they need more. I feel you. I feel you. I like money. Can't stop suing. Money should always be thought of as a tool. I mean, you should just think of money as a tool to get things that you need. You know, mm -hmm. like tool albums. Yes. There you go. So then, with the fifty-two, the new fifty-two relaunch, they changed up. Billy's character, like he, this was well, not yeah. at all his story from before. It was. It's got elements of it, elements right? of it, but the like, was big, he an orphan? Yes, but the big change is that they're no longer calling him Captain Marvel now, because of Marvel Comics has characters named Captain Marvel in them. Now th that happened a while ago, though. No, they, he was called Captain Marvel in the books, really? but okay. but it was always Shazam on the logo. Okay. Because Justin's looking at me very quizzically, so no, I could have sworn that it gets so messy and incestuous with all these crazy names. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like that's whatever. been a big like legal battle for the past like thirty years, though, right? Between well, they, Marvel and DC, they could call him Captain Marvel in the book. They just couldn't say Captain Marvel on the logo. Okay, right? and everyone knew him as Shazam anyway from the seventies TV show. Shazam, I, I think Shazam is cooler anyway. Captain Marvel is just. What if you're on your dying breath and you, you have a very limited amount of syllables that you can get out? I would rather say, Shazam, right, than Captain Marvel, you know? Like, that's a lot to say. <laughs> because this is a situation you're going to come across. You need, so, you need to have... So, <laughs> I have this thing with syllables, okay? I'm just going to tell you. You think it's ridiculous... I think that there might be a little bit of OCD, just a little tiny bit, but both of my kids, their names are perfectly, syllabically... Symmetrical. Exactly. Savannah Leanne Woods. Zachary 
Wilden Woods. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. It had to be that way. Anyway, Shazam is far more syllabically efficient, and that's what I was getting at. Which makes you happy. Yeah, I like it. Plus, you know, Shazam's kind of cool to say. So, and the funny thing about that was Billy Batson, when he said Shazam, he turned into Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. When his sister Mary said Shazam, she turned into Mary Marvel. But then Freddie Freeman, who was Captain Marvel Jr., had to say Captain Marvel in order to turn into (laughs) Captain Marvel Jr. So then he could never refer to Billy Batson, Captain Marvel by name. (laughs) <laughs> oh really yeah. did they make fun of that in the comics a little bit yeah that's hilarious <laughs> like the writers that got got done with that and they're like oh that was a mistake <laughs> they should have made him have to say dad's am mm-hmm. there you go dad's am i mean i'm sure it all made a lot more sense in like the mid 40s when comics were aimed at a much more juvenile market and well i mean if you if you look into like the history of, of comics through that time not to say that there wasn't a lot of thought going on there but there's a lot Less that was like way high speed, just like pump it up, pump it up, pump yeah, it up, pump it up. I mean, yeah, getting like super geeky, nerdy, nitpicky about it, like is not fair at all. Oh no, because no. that it doesn't yeah. hold up to that kind of scrutiny because it wasn't meant to. No, it was, it was it meant was, to just be like, just like put it out on the shelves, get kids to buy it, more, 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 like really fast. And they didn't even expect them to remember it the next month. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, there was a lot of trash comics that came out. Oh, actually, the Captain Marvel ones were some of the better ones of the time. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. They had better stories and really good art. Where I want to go with this is, JP, you weren't very familiar with Shazam before I gave you this. No, not at all. Justin, you were not familiar with this at all. Only the TV show. So when I read this, there were a lot of WTFs. Like At first I was like, he's a kid that just yells Shazam and he turns into an adult. That's See, that Shazam, just like many DC comics, fell into the, like, I know a little bit about them. And when you know a little bit about them, it sounds really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like that happens. I mean, well, let's be honest here. A lot of the DC characters, it's like, it's a little kid that yells a word and then becomes basically Superman. Yeah. It's like, that sounds kind of dumb. Like then, it's a person who has a giant weird mask and has wings and it's a hawk guy. Yeah. Like what? But I will say that after hearing the history of it from you, it completely changed my perception of the of the comic from a few levels. Because if you think about it, that's actually pretty cool. There's something hidden there. The meek can be strong if they, right? So there's something there. But anyway, go ahead, John. I was asking Joe if he was familiar. Very slightly. Very, you know, familiar with the character. You know, had my nerd crush on yeah. Mary Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Has Shazam been having ongoing stuff for a long time? Or does it kind of come in and out? Kind of come in and out. He had his like own series, The Power of Shazam, in the mid-90s. It was actually fairly well done. It was better than most comics then were out. But before the the relaunch of DC, he was a uh, kind of a, a supporting character in um, books like Justice Society. And it was kind of creepy, the storyline they did, because, you know, while Billy Batson's a kid, you know, Captain Marvel is an adult. Right. So he was crushing on like the 16 year old <laughs> member oh. of the JSA, and then everyone kind of, you know, eyebrows, kind of pedo thing, you know. What was really, really good was. Oh, the, because he's right, because he's a kid. Okay. Yeah. Right, he's right. actually 16 himself. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. He's 16 when he gets, when he yells Shazam, too. You know, it's funny because I was thinking to myself, why would they go through all the trouble of rebuilding the the new 52 to do this? Why don't they just re-release the original comics in some sort of like, why does this decision they made when they were sitting around a table going, look, we want to relaunch. How do we do this? It dawned on me that it was actually, I think probably, like you said, it was probably originally a good idea. Because imagine if you are a comic book company and you know that people out there collect comic books. You don't want to devalue the old comics by re-releasing them, right? Well, I think... What happened was they wanted to do a full relaunch, mm-hmm. but then they're like, we have titles that are very popular and are selling very well. We don't want to mess with them. So they couldn't make it a whole relaunch. So that's why the Batman books and the Green Lantern books, nothing much changed. But then... You just got a new number. Yeah, they just basically got a new number and a new number, basically. and But like storylines were continuing that mm-hmm. had been going on before, whereas a lot of other stuff is completely different. And that was a big turnoff was, how did these events happen? But it, there's no way they could have happened with what's going on over here. Right. Well, I mean, and they do crossovers on a pretty regular basis, right? So if they had some that were continuing on like normal, 
and then they have new ones that are very different. Like, how, how do they rectify that potential clash? And then there's also the other thing. There's, you know, downstairs I have a whole store full of trade paperbacks. Sure. Now saying these stories never happened, are people still going to want to buy those trade paperbacks? Hmm, that's Maybe, a good question. You know, but... So you're saying up until the New 52, they were technically the same characters since their inception? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was a really bold step then. Yeah. I mean, in 10 years, it's almost like that original history will not exist anymore, right? It it'll can, exist for you, and it, it'll exist for older comic book in readers. In two years, it, it now no longer is existing. Oh, okay. Unless they reach for their magic reset button. Again. Again. Right. Somebody will get smart. And, and you know, unfortunately, like I was saying, it's turned off a lot of fans that were DC fans. I have, you know, my buddy Rudy, before the new 52 was buying every DC comic that came out. Wow. I haven't seen him inside the shop now in the last four months. Wow. Oh. <laughs> you know, and this is a guy that's been shopping with me, you know, for like 12 years. Man. So. Now, big difference. what was the event that ended the the original? It, it was called Flashpoint. And it that's was, what Flashpoint Yeah. Was? Oh. And it was very poorly done to make yeah. it something that was going to end everything. It was the last two pages... Basically, was the Flash going back in time? It's like, oh, things are a little bit different, and there was hmm. no epic send off. <laughs> All right, so, so it's back just to the Flash going back in time. Well, he goes back in time so fast that he reverses all this stuff. Is well, that what it is? Ha- what happened was he was doing something and it changed <clears throat> up the time stream, so he fixed it there. Now was going back to his original time stream, and. So does yeah. that mean the the current? <laughs> so in other words, Flash, it's crazy. Is, like, is Flash like the same character he used to be? And no, no, no. I mean, it's <laughs> so like all the the history of it. You know that he, you know, people have been reading for however many years mm-hmm. is completely different. He was never married, <laughs> and it's been a hot mess to to steal a a John Fitch term. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was I gave us this tonight was knowing that you guys didn't really know much about the character to see how you would like the reset going in fresh. You know, having no ties to the character. What do you guys think of the graphic novel? You know, and that's... So yeah. let's let's go from there. Okay. The Shazam graphic novel was written by Jeff Johns, who is DC's head writer, who was behind Flashpoint, behind the the, the reboot. And Gary Frank was the artist who... We have talked about him. He he was the artist on Midnight Nation, and he's done many other things since then. So the the story was by DC's best guy, and the art was very solid, fan-favorite art. So let's lead into the story. So what did you guys think of the story and the relaunch? Well, I found myself being really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I kind of went in not expecting much just because of the whole funk that the New 52 has had. And the idea of you know, Shazam never really stood out to, to me, even though I'd known a, a little bit about him on a basic level. He never stood out to me as somebody who I thought, oh, that that's a character I want to learn about. That's a character I'm interested in. But I found myself really resonating with Billy and his troubles, struggling with you know not having his parents around and being bounced around in the foster care system and him like having to be strong and look out for himself, even though in theory, the government's supposed to be looking out for him somehow. And the foster parents are supposed to be looking out for him somehow, but he has had to come to the harsh reality of like, nobody's really looking out for me, but me. I liked, I liked the beginning when he's there meeting the new he's foster switching parents. personality yeah, and, and back like, and forth. Yeah. You know, he sees people walking by. He's like, Oh, I love hot chocolate. I just wish that I could enjoy it on Christmas. And you know, I love to read and to do a podcast and, you know, all these right. things. About, about just, the social work that she does. Yeah. And I'm just mm. so nice. And, and then once the foster parents say, okay, yeah, you know, you can come live with us. It's like, as soon as they're out the door. What a bunch of idiots. Yeah. And then the, the social worker, don't mess this up. You're the worst kid I've ever had. And what does she say? She says, Billy Batson, you are the most unpleasant boy I've ever had the unpleasure of knowing. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, is that even though the two of them are sort of bickering the whole time, you get this sense that they have history and there's a certain amount of 
kind of like this dysfunctional care they have for each other. She's going to care about any of those kids, no matter what. That's just in her. I think right. that's her personal. But there, there's just this interplay between the two of them that seems like you know I don't know. I just I just felt like every step of the way there was pretty pretty darn good characterization. You know. Yeah. yeah. I found myself really resonating with Billy and and liking him and kind of appreciating all the different aspects of stuff and. You know, and just some of the basic stuff he was going through, you know, struggle with school, having a hard time making friends, feeling frustrated because there's been tragedy in his life, basically. You know, like, that's that's something you can connect with. He's also kind of a little prick, to be really honest. Oh, I sure. Mean, he kind of, he, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of it's self inflicted. He's got a huge chip on his shoulder. I was conflicted because hearing the history of it made me understand, like, okay, he really was a kid. Because I thought, well, maybe they just tried to make it cool. I didn't know Shazam was ever a kid. I don't remember that from the show. But I have horrible a horrible memory when it comes to some I of this stuff. I think the show was, was quite different. It was it was like a teenager. I don't even remember that. And a wizard that drove around in an RV. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have to YouTube and see if I can find some of this stuff. Because I don't remember. I have this preconceived idea in my head that... Normal superheroes, right? Like Superman, Wonder Woman, like those superheroes. When somebody says superhero, average Joe thinks of Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Captain America. Right, right. My perception is that these are like flawless diamond character people. Yeah, Boy Scouts. They do not. Yeah, they're they're, they're Boy Scouts. They do not. They're not. Like paragons of. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what my perception of this was. Coming into it was that this is who Shazam was going to be. And to find out that he's kind of this little punk who's kind of somebody that like. Well, he was previously like that, though, wasn't he? Yeah, he was exactly like that, you know, as wholesome and. So they give him some edge, right? They I mean, that him, was the yeah. thing. He went from being probably the most wholesome character that DC published to. Now, even kind of competing with uh, the A number one Boy Scout Superman. Right. Really, he he was his much from this level. He was much more wholesome than Superman. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was a shucks G Welliker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. G Wiz kind of. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. To this where it, it is actually more of how a kid that's been bouncing around from orphanage to orphanage to orphanage would be mm-hmm. right. They have a sense of, I mean, I worked at a high school for a while. The kids have a high, they have a very unearned sense of entitlement. I mean, yeah. he, they nailed the whole teenager thing. Oh, yeah. There was some stuff in here that was really confusing to me, obviously, as a new reader. But what I really liked about it, and the more I think about it and the more I get to it, because I enjoyed this as well. I mean, I burned through these. Yeah. I read them pretty fast. And, then, and you know, again, I enjoyed them was it's like getting your first stick shift, but an epic stick shift, right? I mean, he has no idea how to use his powers. He just... He's I thought that was clueless. Very I loved how, yeah. like, he didn't know what to do when he started to make all these, like, so randomly started to like find people and help them. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "What can I do to thank you?" And normal, and you're thinking like, "He's a superhero." He's like, "Nothing, ma'am. Just doing my civic duty. No. Your friendly neighborhood superhero." And he's like, "Um, I could use a twenty. I could, yeah. <laughs> how about twenty bucks?" You know, then the guy's Which like, "Oh, perfect, thank you for right? saving the store." And he's like, "What? You know, what can I get?" And they went in there for like beer. And he's like, uh, "All the sna- all the junk food I can carry." Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I love and his. But he's like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah, you know? and that was what I like. Oh my I God, love the thing about them going to buy beer, and they're like, well, "Why do we want to buy beer? Doesn't it all taste gross anyway?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, which they one should we know. have? You they know? don't even know. <laughs> so there were a lot of things like that that I liked about it. But again, there was a lot of sort of you know not knowing the history of Shazam. I was sort of like, well, why is it? Why is this going a certain way? Like, I love the beginning where there's this sort of trial going on where every once in a while somebody gets zapped out of whatever they're doing in normal life and they end up in this little underground castle someplace and there's this old guy going, nope, you're not the right one. And then they zap back to where they were. And and it's implied you know, that that's been going on for, for a long time, years. right? Yeah. yeah. And finally he's like, dude, you're never going to find anybody that's flawless long, and yeah, perfect. How long have you yeah, been I, looking? I think uh, that part of that, long imp- time. like that, right. I think that part of that impudent attitude that you were observing, mm-hmm. Justin was part of the reason in this iteration of why he actually got the ability to be Shazam is that, you know, he gets in there and the old wizard's like, Oh, you're not, you're not worthy. You're not a pure of heart and I'm going to have to send you back. And then, you know, the kid's like, what do you mean? Whatever old man. And, and he's like, you will not, you will speak when you're spoken to. And then sure enough, but because he's such an impudent little shit, he's like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you're looking for somebody with a pure heart, dude, not that's happen. just ridiculous. What do you I mean? Let me let me tell you. Let me just lay some knowledge on you, old ancient wizard who's thousands right. of years old. Let me tell you how it really is. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, dude, yeah, nobody. Like, you don't a good get out person. much, do you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I think that even though he's kind of a shit, they use that really well to help mm-hmm. bridge the gap because you could tell that 
the wizard is used to being met with respect and awe and surprise and curiosity, not self entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that that was, uh, you know, a big part of what allowed the, him to bridge the gap and become Shazam. And spoilers, I did like how in the later chapters, when we see the first person that gets the power of Shazam, how he was a young child as well. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, very similar. And how that child was how you would imagine a superhero being. Mm-hmm. Pure of heart, didn't want to take revenge, wanted to, no more killing, there's been enough heartbreak, there's been enough sadness, let's make, let's use our power for good sort of thing doesn't go his way but no you know and that was pretty epic on the downfall of that character that was oh yeah the way they yeah that's cool i love when they introduce black adam and dr savannah is showing him around the new world and there's the people like protesting in an occupy kind of thing right (laughs) and it's oh that was awesome and it's explained to him that you know these people they're protesting because you know they've taken their their money from them, and he said, "Oh, like like how Pharaohs treated the slaves," and then so Black Adam flies up there, grabs the guy out of the top floor of the skyscraper, and just drops him to the feet of the people that are picketing, which you know causes everybody to freak out. Oh home. yeah, yeah. Tells them you're free now. Yeah, you're free now. <laughs> he has such a simple understanding of of the social hierarchy of our current world. He had no understanding or business interacting with it, but he he has this like, well, there's good and there's bad. There's people that are oppressed and there are people that are being oppressed. Right. That's it. That's all there is. And a little, and a, he's got a little animosity mixed in there. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really fun. Speaking of animosity, the Briar Kids. What a bunch of shitheads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, man. That's actually a point I wanted to make, is that even the most, like, benign characters in this are really well fleshed out. Well, they elicit a strong reaction. I mean, I found myself getting kind of frustrated with them, like, actually yeah. mad at them. Well, I, the dad was such a bastard. Right. Well, that's yeah. the whole point, is that, so, the, the sort of the, the story is, is that, is it Dr. Savannah or Black Adam that wants to release the seven deadly Black, sins Black Adam. on man? Yeah. So then they can rebuild the world in his, how he thinks it right. could be. And that was the interesting is like each one of those kids and, and the father, they represent one of those particular characters. And he eventually, the father becomes the host, know, the, sort of all of them. Well, yeah. When they go to find the most wicked soul in the city, it's the it's, father. It's, oh, the, it's the briar father. It's right. like, yeah, no kidding. Which was a great tie into everything. I mean, the, the story is interesting and everything is well written. And, and again, getting it back to sort of understanding Shazam. I have less questions than I did, or like I'm less confused. I don't understand how all of a sudden he can turn people around him into superheroes. Yeah, that they, was yeah. That's that kind of blew my mind a little. That bit. was it was alluded to earlier when he met the wizard, and yeah. the wizard tells him family isn't right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that I mean, was, that family was isn't obscure. Though. It's not what it's something. That, what it's was not it what saying? It should be. It's, it's what it can be. Yeah. yeah. So right. I mean, basically, it was saying you know why you don't have your parents and all that. You, you know, still have family. Yeah, well, you you know, family is what you make it, but it's it still seems kind of like, how does that translate into, and you can bestow Shazam power on people? Yeah. I'm fairly interested to see when they continue this in the pre-New 52 continuity, Mary, who were introduced in there, she was actually Billy's sister. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Real biological sister. They were separated and... You know, oh, so even in the old one, they were separated. Yeah. So then for, there was a time where they didn't know. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they they full-on make her like his biological sister. Interesting. Down That'd the be road. Cool. I think that one of my biggest complaints about this, which ties into what we were just talking about, about, oh, all of a sudden he can turn other people into Shazamians or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I found myself feeling kind of like, I would really like to know what the rules are about his powers. It's like, magic. Yeah, I know. That's that's mm-hmm. stupid, though. Like, they're neat, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, he can do this and he can do that. And it's it's it seems like, like you said, John, it's magic and he can do whatever he wants and there's no limits. But but then it's like, how in the hell do you write for that? How the hell do you make compelling drama? It, it's like, well, whatever situation it is, well, he's magic. He can do it. Yay, sparkles. It's like, what? <laughs> well, hopefully. I just, we'll, I just we'll, want him to have a weakness. I want him to have constraints i want him to have limits i want him to have him things that are good he's good at things that he isn't good at you know like i just i feel like i don't know maybe i'm just complaining well i think if they continue it i think we may see that down the road Mm. with this being you know like the introduction when they change his name to chris angel 
<laughs> Shazam, believe, Chris. Yeah. But I, I do like how now it's gone from being the Marvel family being Billy, Mary, and Freddie to, you know, like a whole Burger King's Kids Club of... <laughs> oh, man, there is, isn't there? Oh, it is, dude. It is, is the most politically correct foster home ever. <laughs> yeah, there's one. Yeah, there's a Hispanic like, kid. <laughs> An African American, but the Hispanic kid's his like thing was that he could drive a garbage truck, right? Yeah, and he and he's like kind of big and lumbering. Yeah. Oh no, and he's and they're like they're like you can drive a garbage truck, and he's like, oh, it's a long story about my grandpa and and a moose, (laughs) and they're like, well, all right then, go ahead. (laughs) Thanks for tying up those loose ends for me, Hispanic garbage truck driver. (laughs) I'll tell you what, dude, garbage truck man. Those guys make a lot of money. Like $40 an hour. They make oh. like, yeah. The guy in, like, well, I was reading something in New York, like the sanitation guys, they make bank, man. Because they're in with the mob. Oh. And out here, I mean, it's really good Teamsters. Unions. Yeah, they got good unions. Anyway. <laughs> I liked how when they were showing the past, when Black Adam was originally chosen to be shazam or have the shazam living lightning power living lightning right yeah mm-hmm. uh, i liked how when he went to the rock of eternity that the council of eternity if it was from all these different parts yeah. of the world different races different cultures you had like a samurai sitting there it's like a samurai wizard mm-hmm. you know like he had everything that was really i thought that was really neat to see some of that it made me want to know more about what was going on back then and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was really cool. So, like I said, for me, being a longtime fan of DC Comics, enjoying, you know, the Captain Marvel stuff, I actually liked this a lot. I was prepared to go in there and hate this like so many people have done with with the new DC stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, I thought it was a good reimagining, you know, bringing it forward for it. You know, for 2013 is obviously completely different than 1943. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was a good update. I mean, there is a lot of of stuff DC has done that I haven't been big fans of, but this I really enjoyed. So I, yeah, I'll definitely recommend it, and I thought it was a nice updating. Um, There's plenty of things, you know, that I can nitpick on it probably down the road. Oh, yeah. But I thought for now, you know, it's a good reintroduction to the character. A couple of things I can tell you that I noticed were outside of just being storyline stuff that mm-hmm. was confusing. For example, you like, you know, Shazam and now everybody around me is, is, is powerful. The art was phenomenal. Yeah. Which is typical because Midnight Nation was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And Frank. there wasn't a moment in here that I didn't understand what was going on, yeah. even in the, bio, in, in the battles. And everybody was distinct and they were. And dynamic battles, they right? Look, like, yeah. Great. But they also consistently from every from every book to you know from one book to the next they all look like I can immediately recognize who was who very easily which that's a big thing for me yeah that's the stuff I really like I think you know we're almost maybe even me who barely has any experience with the history of DC are perhaps a little bit biased by the fact that it's a, a you know the new fifty two and it's DC that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get good stories. It just means that you almost have to have a little bit of a suspension of disbelief. You just have to force with it, it right? to go with it, that yeah, this yeah. is a new imagining of something. And that can be frustrating because an example that I can make is Chimera just re-released one of their first albums completely. They, they just went into the studio with all the new members and replayed all the songs. Oh, really? And as I listened to it, I'm like, I don't like, I like the original better. Yeah. You know? And they're like, well, this is kind of, you know, and imagine like, they're kind of like, well, this is how we feel about it now. This is how it sounds like this is how it feels that it should sound now versus back then. And it may not been, have been the whole album, but it was a fairly good number of songs. And I don't, you know, I didn't buy it. And, it, I and didn't. it's because you probably listened to those songs a thousand times. It's ingrained, man. Yeah. This is what you grew up on. Yeah, if you're there's, talking there's about history. There. Yeah. It's yeah. like watching the original Star Wars and seeing what George Lucas has done with them now. Yeah, exactly. In, indeed. Yeah. And you have to realize that, you know, it's not, we adopt it so close to our hearts, a lot of this stuff, which is a really good thing because it becomes, you know, it becomes a part of your internal culture, I think. How many times has something come up where you're like, well, what would, I've learned from Superman or I've learned from various characters because there are moral stories here, right? So I get it, I guess is what I'm saying, like why you can, so it's good to hear that you liked it because I enjoyed it too. Yeah. Yeah. But I I think I'm able to go in with a little bit more of an open mind than many other people, you know, that I deal with 
selling comics, you know, I think I have a little less OCD than a lot. Well, a lot of people that are really, really a resistance to yeah. any kind of change, especially resistance to change like that goes back and changes something. Well, you're in the That's inner circle sacred, to a certain know? degree. Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. this, you have a different, much like I have a different view of music because I'm a musician. I'm in the inner circle to a certain degree, you know, because I know what it's like to sit behind a drum set on stage after I hauled everything around all day, yeah. you know, drove a hundred miles and played to five people or played to 300 people or whatever. I know what it's like to write songs and have it take a year to write a song or one night to write a song. So and, I understand. And then that year of work you did writing a song and someone says, oh, that shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Or another band well, I don't like covers it that much. people say they like that one better. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> that does happen. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, but, you know, once your baby's out there, you just want it. You just want people to, to hear it, you know? So anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is, we as consumers, we adopt the art and make it our own. And when somebody, the creator, wants to make a change to it because they're either better or more skilled or there's new technology that allows them to do that, whatever it happens to be, it was never right the way that they wanted it, right? Maybe it's when it was written, it, it wasn't what they needed it to be, but maybe there were extenuating circumstances for that. And then when they get an opportunity later in life to redo it and do it the way they wanted, it gets rejected because that's not the way it was. Well, no, this is the way it was. It just wasn't the way it was at the time because I couldn't get it out for whatever reason. So anyway. Oh, that makes sense. Right. I think that's actually almost exactly what George Lucas said when yeah. defending the re-releases of Star Wars. And then he well, yeah. squatted down and shat them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, now. That's how I really feel. my childhood. <laughs> On shot first. That's all I can say. On shot first. I want my Ewok song back. Like, <laughs> I think that it's easy to recommend this. I think that it was entertaining yeah, and fun. The art was phenomenal. And Shazam as a character lends himself so well to so much cool lighting and special effects with all the lightning everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of his eyes. I got to say, some of the greatest scenes in this are when either Shazam or Black Adam have their hood up. And it's just darkness. And then there's these two glowing eyes with lightning shooting mm -hmm. out of them. It's like... Oh, it's really rad. Like, I want to go draw that. It's so awesome. Oh, Next yeah. week, we are going to review a non-new 52 DC comic. Actually set in the 50s. One of my favorite comics, DC Comics The New Frontier by Darwin Cook. It has uh, also been done as an animated DC movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Yeah, really? No, nope. got yeah. that one. And but the the comic is phenomenal. It's it's six double sized issues, so it'll be a little bit more meaty than this one. But it is well worth it, and it's basically you know at the beginning of the DC Comics in the Silver Age. So it's set in nice. the fifties. Sounds good. I did have one question rocking. that I wanted to ask. Sure. Has DC come out? And this I know you guys. I'm getting that look like oh god, what now? <laughs> Has DC come out recently? Name a character. Because we live in the world of we live in a world of of sequels and repeats, right? Sure, sure, sure. So name a character that's come out in the last I don't know year, two years, three years, five years that's a superhero, a new IP that has done as well or as good as one of these longstanding characters. Like, did they just get lazy and instead of going, look, let's let's put our minds together. What can what what have we, what haven't we done yet? Because Chu's already taken. Do you know, so do you know what you know why that that doesn't exist now? Why? Why would you as a creator give them something for free when you know you're not going to get paid for it? Well, I wouldn't, but DC has their own writers, right? Yeah, but why would that writer, when they have all these other toys in the sandbox to play with, create something new to give to your employer when you can hold it back? Yeah, and do a creator-owned thing. And do a creator-owned thing where you would have... No. It means, so it seems like perhaps that's not going to happen so much with the big two until it's, it's not things gonna, change. Yeah, it's not going to happen with the big two. No. Well, I mean, unless, unless the people that, like the writers that create it, maintain some sort of royalty or control. Which will never. Which isn't going to happen. Which isn't going to happen. So that's why the big two start to just repeat, repeat, repeat. And one of the reasons why a lot of the creator-owned stuff right now is explosively awesome. Because that's where the creativity is getting poured out. There's a lot of guys that write or pencil or ink or whatever for the big two and then also do their own thing like a lot of people and there's several writers and artists and whatnot that we've interviewed um for the geek life podcast at different conventions and whatnot who say oh yeah you know i, I worked for years doing this and i worked on that and then eventually i went and did my own thing 
they almost never say, oh, and I created this new character for DC. Like that, yeah, they get I've their never heard someone say that. They get their foot it's, in the door and then they go off and do it on their own. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a big corporate machine that just gobbles yeah, it up. Like, why would you give it away? It's really in the last 20 years gone that way. I mean, so that's sad. why you don't see the creativity that you used to. Hmm. But I mean, you see it in other... Like Image. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, great point. You know, Greg Rucka on Lazarus we talked right, about. Right. You know, he worked for DC for years and years and years. Why would he have created her for them, you know, when he couldn't participate in the royalties? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, they, or even they need to maintain they need creative to rethink, control. They need to rethink there. It seems like in, in, in order for them to, to be around long term, outside of the fact that they already have all of this IP that's long standing, you it, know, people are going to have to stand yeah. up and say, I'm sick and tired of it, reading it, Batman comics. It's gone the opposite way. It's I don't gone, know if that's going to happen. It's gone the opposite way where corporate comics now are less creative. Mm-hmm. Too bad for them because there's some there, amazing. There isn't still very good writing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So interesting. Well, thank you, everybody. We will be back next week talking about DC: The New Frontier. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm really looking. I haven't read it in a few years, so I'm looking forward to rereading it again and living the magic. Nice magic. Ooh, now I'm all excited. Shazam! Believe, Chris. Yeah. <laughs>